It's time for the Retire ASAP Podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP Podcast, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my co-host, Bradley Fike. That would be me. Welcome back, Brad. Brad the dad, as I like to call him. Welcome back. Uh, Glad you guys are joining us here today. We are going to wrap up our series. We've been going on for a few months now talking about uh, the retire ASAP process and talking about different hurdles you have to overcome on your way to an early retirement. So many of our clients have been working through these hurdles and having these conversations with us and trying to decide, can I get retired before 65? And you would be surprised that with a little bit of creative planning and maybe a little bit of part-time work or maybe some uh, extra savings before you're done working, you can actually make an early retirement possible. It just sometimes takes a little bit of that planning side of things. So part of this and what we've been doing over these last months, and you can always go back into history. We have all of our episodes archived. You can always listen to previous episodes and kind of figure out, man, which obstacle do you need to tackle next on your way to retirement? So I know that uh, this is a fun time to have this conversation, right? In the midst of a global pandemic, which I guess is kicking its heels up again. Um, We've been hearing more COVID cases are coming through with a wild and crazy election. This is getting recorded on November 4th. So this is the day after voting day, and we still don't know who our president is. And we're just in these wild and crazy times. And the question is, can people still retire? So I I mean, maybe I should ask you this, Brad, are people still retiring in the midst of all this craziness? Absolutely not. Everybody's done everything. We're economic Armageddon right here. And that's the end of our episode. Thanks, folks, for joining us. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's still people retiring. I have conversations going right now and a couple plans we're working on with clients that are getting to the retirement stages. And uh, a couple of them are going to retire January 1, no matter what's going on. And the reason why that is, is these are discussions that we started uh, two, three years ago, sometimes five years ago with some of them. And so the couple of different uh, couples that I have starting January 1, I've been working with at least two to three years on their plan. So we've had this thing dialed in. We've uh, taken less risk in certain uh, buckets of money because I do like to bucket the money, it, even though it sounds kind of funny, but it you know we're, we're layering Uh, assets based on risk. And so uh, depending on when you're going to use it. So these are things that have already been in place and I don't see any reason why they can't and they are full blown ready to go. That's all part of having a good retirement plan. And I think a lot of the, our listeners here and a lot of our clients who that is actually both our listener and our client, a lot of them are having these questions because they may have not done the planning yet. And they're going, I can't believe it. I'm not going to be able to retire. My 401k is down to XYZ number. Well, that's probably because they haven't been for the last two or three years or five years really starting to gear things down and prepare themselves for retirement or ramp themselves up depending on what you know stage of life they're in. Maybe it's a time to go more aggressive or something along those lines. It's all part of the long-term retirement plan. Now, here's what I want to talk about today because they can go back and they can listen to our episode on investment strategy and income planning, all that stuff. But what I want to talk about today is maybe one of the biggest things that people have to worry about. And it's not something that is fun to talk about. And that is the nursing home. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Now, before we get into talking about long-term care and nursing home expenses, I just want to put our disclaimer out there like we normally do in every episode. We are speaking from an educational standpoint on this podcast. We are not giving advice. We are not telling you to do this or do that. 
go out and buy this insurance product. We are not saying that. What I want you to do is hear what we have to say. Take this information to your personal advisor, whether it's your insurance agent, your financial advisor, your attorney, whoever it is, tax advisor. You need to talk to them before you make any, any decisions because really, I don't know who you are. I, I know who a lot of our listeners are, but I'm not specific, specifically talking to you. I want you to get advice for your situation from someone who knows your situation. So I always put that disclaimer out there because we're going to talk about some things in this episode that you could probably just run to the bank with. And I'm telling you not to do that before you talk to somebody who knows what's going on for you. So with that being said, nursing homes, long-term care, the most evil thing out there, it seems to a retirement plan, the thing that could just blow everything up when you get into your 70s and 80s and just destroy any legacy you want to leave to your kids. Could I paint it in any darker picture? That's very ugly, but uh, let's let's define long-term care first. So long-term care isn't just a nursing home. It could be home health care, adult day care. It could be caregivers uh, giving uh, just visiting respite at the house so the spouse can go out and do things. So there's multiple different layers within that long-term care. And we always think a nursing home because nursing home is quite expensive. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Home health care can be quite expensive as well. Because sometimes you, uh, you know, for the comfort of staying in the home, you're going to pay a little bit more than you would if you were institutionalized in a facility. Right. And a lot of times you'll need specialized care for something like that. And so, like you say, that can come at a pretty costly rate. So let me throw out some numbers here and see if these shock you. I doubt they will. You've probably seen them as of recently. But let's see if these numbers shock any of our listeners. Well, let me, let me ask you this. What do you think the average monthly stay cost is at a nursing home? Am I supposed to give you the accurate answer that I know, or should I just be like a blind guess? Let me ask you this. What do you think it should be? <laughs> I think it should be about $1,500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody would love it to be, right? I'm sure nursing homes would still make money if it was $1,500 a month. But it's actually, I'm going to throw this number out there, it's actually between $7,000 and $8,000 a month. Woo, and that's uh, that's probably just in Ohio or this area right here. That's a national average. So here in okay. Ohio, it's actually a little bit lower. It's in the low seven thousands, like seventy one to seventy five hundred. But national average is between seven and eight thousand dollars a year. That's kind of wild to think about. Or I mean, a month. I'm sorry, a month. Yeah, that's doom and gloom right there. That's a lot of money because if you start now projecting that out to annually, you're looking at eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a year is your cost to stay in a nursing home. And the average stay in a nursing home is just under three years. And that average fluctuates not too long ago. It was over three years. Just as of recent, it's below three years. So now you're looking at close to $200,000, $300,000, depending on what state you're in, in nursing home costs if someone goes in there. And so the question is, what are you doing to protect yourself from that? Are you going to be able to afford $300,000 out of pocket when you get to age 75 when you or your spouse goes in the nursing home? And here's the thing. It's not about you who goes in the nursing home, which is kind of sad to say. It's more about who's going to be around after you're gone. Because if you pay $300,000 out of pocket for your nursing home care, is there going to be any money left over for your surviving spouse or for the kids that you wanted to leave money to as your beneficiaries? Is there going to be anything left? Yeah, it's it's devastating. And uh, fortunately, it doesn't happen to everyone, but there is an increasing uh, number going into homes now and increasing home health care. So I think it's it's definitely a conversation that has to be had. And each individual situation, once again, we say this every time, right? I mean, 
it's everybody's situation is different. So you have to have that conversation individually and not just, I mean, it's good to read stuff out there. They'll give you a 30,000 foot view of all of it, but really it needs to be dealt into your specific situation. Well, yeah. And here's the thing too. And I've heard this from many of our clients. You get an invitation in the mail to get your free steak dinner as long as you sit through this sales pitch. And this sales I like pitch, steak. I like steak. I hate sales pitches, but for a free steak, it might be worth it, depending <laughs> on how good the steak is. So you get that in the mail. I got a timeshare for you, too. Oh, yeah, I bet you do. I just saw a commercial on timeshares. Real funny that those are coming back around. Thank goodness I don't have one, but I got offered a free one the other day, and I, I just started laughing. I go, no, thank you. They can't even give them away for free. <laughs> So here's the thing. You get invited to your steak dinner. It's put on by an attorney group. Johnson, Johnson, and what's the one? What, what's your attorney group that you, you like? Dewey, Howie, and Cheatham. Dewey, Howie, and Cheatham. <laughs> <laughs> so Dewey, Howie, and Cheatham puts on a steak dinner and invites you there for free. And you get to sit down. They give you a 30, 45-minute sales pitch on why you need to protect yourself from nursing homes. And they're going to talk about all these Medicaid planning things and talk about trusts. And those are potentially valuable to some people. But they're just talking to a group of people trying to sell you on it and hopefully you dive in and do some cookie cutter plan that you may not even need. And so here's the thing that we always talk about is that in some cases there's some people with half a million dollars of assets that really need to protect themselves from long-term care costs, whether it be in home or nursing home or whatever. They need to protect themselves from that. There's some people who have $500,000 who don't need to do that because they have different goals and plans with their money for the rest of their life. So the question really does come down to you need to be customized on this. And this is a really complicated question too because I don't know if you've run into any of this Medicaid planning stuff, but there's some numbers out there that our listeners probably should know about Medicaid planning. One of those numbers being that if you want to not pay for your nursing home, you have to qualify for Medicaid, which is basically health care coverage for uh, those who are in poverty in the United States. And so what that health care coverage does, it will cover l nursing home expenses as long as you don't have a certain number of assets in your name. So those numbers are really interesting. If you're single, you can only have $2,000 of assets. Now that's aside from your home and your car and your clothes. Those things are not included in that. But talking about retirement savings, bank accounts, anything that's available liquid-wise that you can sell as an investment, those types of things are going to be considered in that. If you're single, $2,000 is your limit. If you're a couple, the limit goes up to $120,000, which is a little bit more. It's almost 130, really, but $128,000, a little bit more, but still that doesn't give a surviving spouse a whole lot to live off of. So when you're doing Medicaid planning, what kind of stuff are you talking to clients about? I know we don't specifically do it in our office, but when you're advising them to go see an attorney, what are you talking about, Brad? Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I just got a text from Cheatham and uh, he said he's number two on the list. So it's Dewey, Cheatham and Howe, not Dewey, Howie and Cheatham. Oh, gotcha. And he's pretty upset. He's actually said he was going to sue me. So I, I texted him back, said, I really apologize. I will correct it <laughs> for our listeners. So this Cheatham dude, he's he's brutal. Yeah. He, I, very greedy, I think. Hey, you might not want to get it. You might not want to buy anything from him, whether it's a trust or Medicaid <laughs> planning or anything, but you do want him on your side if you're suing somebody. Well, it sounds like. Sounds like he's a cheater. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, back to the Medicaid question. A lot of conversations with the Medicaid piece is, remember when you spend down for Medicaid, which is what we're talking about here. Let's say I got 500,000 assets. One of the spouses goes into the nursing home. The other spouse is going to have to spend those assets down to that 100, actually 128 plus the two that the spouse is allowed to have. So really about 130,000, let's say. They got to spend that 500 down to the 130,000. They can keep the house 
the house that they're living in. If they have a secondary home, that's an issue. And they can keep a vehicle and they can keep jewelry and furniture, private, you know, personal belongings within the house. So Medicaid is going to look at that. That's the asset side of the sheet. There's two sides of a sheet on a Medicaid form. Assets, they want to know what your total assets are when you apply. And they want to know what the incomes are. So they want to know what the spouse income that's going in the nursing home and the community spouse, which is a spouse that stays at home. So they're going to have two calculations. They're going to allow you to keep so much income flow. And the other side of the coin is they're going to make you spend assets down. Does that make sense? Yes. So those conversations are where I initially start explaining the clients, how does the Medicaid spend down process work? And that I, I should back up a little bit because that's after the conversation of there's, you know, so many options that you can do with uh, your long-term care protection, right? right? And you know, what what do you think they are? Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different options out there and we're going to go over those. I just wanted to go over a little bit of the Medicaid spend down because I think, you know, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, those attorneys- Yeah, he'll be happy with you on that one. Th- th- perfect. I'm glad I'm not getting sued on this. Those guys, what they're really trying to do, their number one goal every time is to sell you a trust because in their trust, they can help you get that Medicaid spend down figured out. And, and that's also based on a certain set of rules that come along with that. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But the idea here is long-term care is not simple and it can't be ignored because if you have assets over 130000 and I'm going to guess that the majority of people that are retiring have saved between them and their spouse more than 130000 If they haven't, they're probably still working or they have a very simple lifestyle. And if those are the cases, they're not, they don't need to be concerned about those types of things in long-term care. But those who have more than that, which is the majority of retirees, need to really consider how can we protect a lot of that stuff because you have two options. One, you're either going to pay out of pocket for your long-term care insurance until you get down to that number, or two, you're going to protect yourself in some way, shape, or form. There's a handful of ways. So here, let me go over a couple of them. You can kind of explain each one as I go over them. So the, the number one way that most people are going to be encouraged to protect themselves from long-term care insurance is going to be traditional long-term care insurance from an insurance provider. So tell me a little bit how long-term care insurance works. Well, it's an insurance policy, uh, just uh, very similar to like a homeowner's uh, policy or covering your house. And really, if you think about it, we buy insurance to cover our house, but most people probably never have a claim, right? It never burns, it really rarely burns down and somebody might trip or get hurt. So you rarely have a liability coverage. So most people pay and pay and pay their whole life, but they want to protect that asset because it might be worth a, you know, a couple hundred thousand or more. So it is an asset that if it does burn down, you know, I need to have it rebuilt so I have a place to live. So if we use that, that same scenario, but now we're using a long-term care traditional policy, it's the same concept. I'm buying, I'm paying a premium. I may never use it, but when I do, it's going to do the job. So it's a use or lose it process. Same thing with your homeowners. Use it or lose it. And as you know, but we feel better about our home, right? I don't know why, but we do. Well, it doesn't cost nearly as much, right? A homeowner policy is maybe True. a few hundred dollars a year where a long-term care policy these days are a few thousand dollars a year. And that depends on a lot of different factors. And you have to talk to your insurance agent to get the, all the details. But basically exactly what you're saying, Brad, is that policy can kick in at any point in time. It will pay for in-home health care. It'll pay for 
you know, specialized care at a nursing home. It'll pay for those different things. Now they have daily benefit amounts and maximum payouts and all those different things that are a part of that. And those are all part of working into how much do you want to pay per month or per year for your premium. The higher you pay, the more benefits you get, those types of things. But a traditional long-term care policy is just as what you said. And this is the thing that drives people nuts and why they don't want to use it or they don't want to buy one is because it's use it or lose it. And that scares people. When you're spending two, three, four thousand dollars a year to protect yourself from a nursing home, you're in your back of your mind going, I better make it to the nursing home. But what if I don't? This thing just goes away. And that's kind of scary for people. So, I mean, an alternative to that would be something that we've been using as of recently, and that's a hybrid um, long-term care policy. So tell me a little bit more about that. So there's two hybrid type policies. One is a, a, a life insurance based policy. So there is underwriting questions involved there, just like you would in a long term care, traditional long term care policy. So remember, they're insuring you. So they want to know what their risk is right up front. So if you apply for a long term care policy, they're going to go through all the medical questions and blah, blah, blah. If you go for a hybrid life policy, you're basically buying a life insurance policy. So they're going to ask you health questions there. But that life insurance policy creates three buckets. One is you're guaranteed to get your money back. So let's say down the road you decide you want to cash out of this thing. Then all of a sudden, I, I don't want it any longer. I'll get my money back. If I put 100000 in or 50000 in, I'll get my fifty or hundred whenever I decide to bail out and walk away. So it's not a lose it or use it in this situation. If I pass away before I use any long-term care benefits and I don't cash it out, there's a death benefit on it. If I need long-term care during any of that, then I have long-term care coverage, whether it's home health care, adult daycare, nursing home coverage. So it's got three buckets, long-term care, life insurance, or death benefit, and a cash value. So really, it covers all three bases. So it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. And I'm finding that most people are a little bit more open to having that conversation versus the regular traditional long-term care. It costs more though, right? That's the downside of doing these hybrid plans. You usually have to have a little bit more upfront to be able to pay for it. That is true. And I started doing long-term care policies for clients back in the uh, early 80s, 83, 84. So we've been doing long-term care policies at Fike Agency, the insurance uh, side of our business, uh, for a long, long time. But the problem is in the last 10 years, since really since about 2008, the cost has gone crazy wild. And the reason is because they invest in bonds and bond returns are low and claims are high. And so things have gotten really out of hand in that industry. So we quote those still for people through our insurance uh, person. And But really, the, the hybrid policies have become the popular item. And there's also, to go another step on that hybrid, there's a hybrid annuity. Now, you've heard me mention that I'm not a big annuity fan, but the hybrid annuity doesn't have quite the underwriting, as, in other words, the health questions. Because you're putting money in an annuity, it's just going to give you a little extra bang for the buck. You're not going to like, it's, it's just a little different. And it's a, it's a tougher one to explain. So you still have the cash option. And then that cash option sometimes can double as a long-term care benefit, depending on what company you're using. So tell me if this sounds like you. Every quarter, you look at your 401k balance and you only wonder, is this going to be enough? 
Am I at least getting close to retirement? Or maybe you even took a little extra initiative and you Googled, how much do I need to retire? Only to find a different answer at every different website or different article. It's loaded with confusing words and tons of ads. And if you're like many of the people I've talked to, every time you try to think about retirement, you just get overwhelmed, confused, and you end up wanting to pour a drink. And you might feel like you're lost trying to figure out retirement and you just wish there was some sort of map. Well, guess what? I created one. It's called Your Early Retirement Map. And it's a simple four-part checklist to get you retired ASAP. That's right, retired as soon as possible. I wanted to clear the confusion around retiring and design a formula that you can follow without getting overwhelmed with anxiety. All you have to do is check the boxes on the checklist. And here's the best part. It's completely free. If you follow the link in the show notes and give us your name and your email address, we'll send you the PDF right now. If you go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map, or you click the link below, we'll send it to you for free. No strings attached. You get it in your inbox right away. So if you're tired of all the confusion surrounding your retirement, then you need to go to fikeadvisors.com backslash your early retirement map and get your checklist right now. And so really, you have to think about what fits you best. And so those first two options are insurance options. You work with an insurance company, whether it's traditional long-term care or a hybrid option with an annuity or a life insurance policy. You're working with an insurance company and you're paying a premium to be covered if you do go to a nursing home or if someone comes to your house to take care of you. That's what those first two options are. Now, the third option is going to be doing some Medicaid planning. Um, And that is what we were talking about with do we cheat them and how, those three guys, that's some of the Medicaid planning stuff. And that's something you need to work on with an attorney. But just to go over the gist of it, we talked about the numbers before. If you can get down to a certain amount of asset level, if you can get down to that $130,000 in your assets aside from your home car and all of your personal belongings, if you can get down to that asset level, then the government will pay for your long-term care which for a lot of people is very appealing because we've paid into Medicaid our entire working career. We'd like to get some benefit out of it for ourselves if we can, especially if it's going to be such an expensive thing in health care or in nursing home care. Now, here's the thing I will say. This is a very complicated process because not only do you have to do this Medicaid planning far, far in advance, um, they have a five-year look-back period. The Medicaid uh, offices have a five-year look-back period on anything you did. So you can't just gift your assets to your kids and then turn around and go to the nursing home tomorrow and then say, oh, I don't have any money. Sorry. They look back and see what you've done over the last five years. If there's still assets that were in your name five years ago that you gave away for less than fair market value, they look at that and go, well, that was that's still going to be considered in their planning. They're going to need to utilize money like that for we're going to consider those assets on their list as things they need to spend down before they can qualify for Medicaid. So some of these complicated things come into trust planning and gifting to children and and, uh, family members and doing things of that nature. What do you have to say on some of this Medicaid planning stuff? We did, uh, when my father was in the business in the late 90s into the early 2000s, the look-back period used to be 36 months. So it was quite flexible and very easy to, I mean, Medicaid's closed the loopholes, at least here in Ohio. There's still ways to get around it, but it's it's much more difficult. But back then, it was only three years. So we did a lot of Medicaid planning, especially with farmers who sold their farms, retired and sold their farms. They had all this big chunk of money, and they were worried about losing it to a nursing home. So we had an attorney we worked with, and uh, he did a fabulous job. And we, we saved 
tons and tons and tons of assets for uh, people around here in this area by doing the Medicaid planning. And then uh, we had quite a few of them where their parents ended up nursing home and or that you know spouse or whatever. And we ended up saving that up quite a bit of that money. It got tough and uh, it's still there though. Uh, you got to use uh, trust now. So you got to find an attorney that specializes in that. And they're not all Dewey, Cheatham, and House. So even though there's a lot of Cheatham. So watch out for the traveling road shows. That's what I like to traveling call Traveling road shows. Traveling Cheatham road shows because they always got the big flash. They got the big seminar. They're going to charge you an arm and a leg for those trusts. And they don't need to be charged. They don't need to charge that much. But that's what they do. So that's their dog and pony show. If you use a, a good local attorney who has experience in that, you can do it for probably a third, if not a fourth of the cost. And uh, we have a guy that we work with and is very well versed in that. And so you do have to find one that specializes in it. Yeah. And trust your advisor on that. If you don't have an attorney you work with, trust your advisor on pushing you in the right direction to the right person. Those types of things are very, very complicated. And here's the other piece of it. Once they're done, they're even more complicated to undo. And so it can cost you on the front end to get it done. And if you do it wrong, it can cost you just as much to get it undone on the back end. And so you don't want to go into something like this lightly. Medicaid planning is extremely important. And it has to be done early. A lot of times it has to be done before you even consider yourself feeling sick, you know, or see any, any sort of decline in people's health, whether it be mental or physical. Before you're even close to the nursing home is when you want to be doing your Medicaid planning. And so even in all that, it's not a foolproof plan because let's say you're all completely fine health-wise and then a few months or a year later, all of a sudden something happens, you get sick, and now all that Medicaid planning goes out the window. So Medicaid planning is a good option, but it's a very risky option. It's not as foolproof as an insurance plan that's going to be paying out as long as you pay your premium, it's going to be paying out. Those types of things are a little bit more of a low risk option. Medicaid's a little bit high risk option, but it does save you some money long term potentially if it works out. And then there's the final option. The fourth option of how to take care of long term care is Is that to give it to Brad Fike? Oh gosh, no. As it's a gift? Def- I, it's I mean, definitely not gifting it to Brad Fike. Oh, okay. And that Go is ahead. highly illegal, folks. Do not send us any gifts uh, with our name on it for your long term care. That's that's not a, a Just leave cash in the mail slot. Oh well cash we, we can walk around with cash. That's fine. <laughs> we we can't track that, but no. Um the, the the last one is going to be self-insuring. And this is an interesting one because a lot of people will say, oh, you can't be uninsured for, for long-term care. It's just not an option. The nursing homes are going to take all of your money. They're going to go to the bank with it and you're going to be left poor. Your spouse is going to be left poor. Your kids are going to get nothing. It's just going to be terrible. But self-insuring is an option. And I mean, it has to be looked at from all the angles because like we've talked about before, this is a complex topic, but from all the angles, what is your experience with seeing clients who decide to self-insure? Well, I would say probably more people uh, go the self-insuring route because they just don't think it's going to happen to them. So, and I remember um, when your mother's aunt was living, I was talking to her about long-term care one day and she goes, oh, I won't ever go to a nursing home. I'll just shoot myself. And I go, well, what if you have Alzheimer's and you can't find the bullet to put in the gun? And she didn't really have an answer to that. And she goes, well, I'll find somebody else to shoot me, I think was her answer. And I go, but you don't know how to do that because you have Alzheimer's at that point. Anyhow, uh, God rest her soul, she's not with us any longer and didn't go in the nursing home, uh, thankfully. But uh, the thing with self-insuring is that 
everybody's different, as we keep saying here, that one is if you have enough money and you have enough guaranteed income coming in, Social Security, maybe a pension, enough assets that creates enough income, you can self-insure that and it really doesn't affect the community spouse or sometimes if it's an estate planning where you want to leave money to the next generation. So I really think it depends on how much money and how much income you have on that discussion. Right. And that could be on both ends of it. Whether you have enough money, saying you have a large amount of assets that you can afford a two hundred dollars to $300,000 hit over a three-year period. Some, some clients that we have can do that because they've saved an, a massive amount over the time they worked and they worked hard to be able to retire. And they can afford to do that and not hurt their spouse and have a legacy for their kids. And on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you don't have a lot of assets. And maybe all this talk about long-term care isn't even worth the conversation because maybe you're still working and you're probably going to work for the rest of your life until you get sick or until you can't physically work anymore. And if you end up in the nursing home, there's not going to be a whole lot of spend down until you run into something like that. That's a conversation to be had too because it might not even be worth going to your attorney and paying a few thousand dollars for a trust or paying a few thousand dollars a year in long-term care premium. Those types of things may not even be worth it to protect a small amount of assets that you're going to have to spend down anyway. So you have to have that conversation. And that's how we're going to wrap this all up because it is all about having the conversation. It's about making sure that you know exactly what you have and the plan that you have to do with it. And that that's all part of your retirement plan. And here's the other thing too. We have clients who say, I don't want to leave money to my kids. My kids are fine. They're going to be better off than I was anyway. And I would like to spend my money. And if that's the case, why waste your money paying a premium that you don't want to use to protect the funds, you might as well spend your money the way you want to over the time that you can. And then when you hit the nursing home, then you spend. There's a different situation for everybody. And I think that's always been the case. Our podcast is really good at telling you that it depends. It always depends. It depends on your situation. It depends on who you're talking to. It depends on all the details, all those things. It's really true. It depends. And that's why you need to start having this conversation with your financial advisor. And if you're looking for a financial advisor, we're taking on new clients here at Fike Advisors. Um, you can go to our website, fikeadvisors.com. And if you go to the homepage right there, as soon as you get there, there's a schedule now button in the top right corner. You can click that button. It'll take you to our digital calendar. You can schedule an appointment with me or Brad. And right now we can do those digitally. We can do them in person. Um, if you're not comfortable with coming into the office or maybe you're out of state, those types of things, we can work something out with you to make that convenient for you. So hit that schedule now button, sign up for a conversation. It's completely free. It doesn't cost you anything. Really what we want to do in that is we just want to decide if we can help you. If we can help you, we're going to. If we can't help you, we'll find someone who can. And so that's all part of the process of you trying to figure out, can I retire now? Can I retire soon? Or am I ever going to be able to retire? And if you don't ask those questions, you'll never know. So to wrap that's up this right. conversation, any final thoughts? No, I uh, I don't really have any uh, final thoughts at this point. Um, I think we covered all the bases for the long-term care side of the world. And uh, I think the biggest point here out of the whole thing is have the conversation. That's it. I mean, just have the conversation with your advisor, your attorney, even your accountant, although a lot of them aren't probably fully versed on it, but your advisor is going to be the, the best go-to type quarterback coach that you could use for that type of scenario. Yep. So with all that being said, here we are. We've wrapped up this full series. So if you want to check out previous episodes, they are online at our website, um, you can even go to the retireasapshow.com. That'll take you directly to those uh, if you want to look at it online. 
You can always uh, check out our stuff on any podcasting app. And I would really appreciate it if you guys would rate or review our podcast, whether you use Spotify, Apple, Google Play, whatever place you get your podcast. If you can rate or review, that helps us get a little bit further up in the rankings and gives people an idea of what we actually talk about. So I would really appreciate it if you have time. Just give us five stars or two stars or at least give us two stars. Don't give us one star. That would be really disappointing. But give us five stars. Write down a little bit of something maybe that you learned from our podcast. People really appreciate that. And in those crazy algorithms that the, all these tech companies use, that actually makes a big difference on whether or not we get noticed or not. So, Ow! oh, oh no, oh, the financial yo guy oh. has spoken. Well, good thing I'm flexing right now physically because I have to flex some financial uh, yo guy this afternoon with a client. Oh, here we go. So if you need some financial yoga, you need to go see your financial yoga, which would be Brad Fike, who, I, you know, we talked about this, but have you gotten any more LinkedIn conversations since you changed your title on LinkedIn? I have a lot of people who want to be my friend or whatever they call that. They want to link up. Yeah. I don't even know who they are. So I, I just let them build up. In Do there. they look like they're yoga specialists? Do they think you're kind of like a, a, a weird guy to be posting that you're a yoga guy? I think all the yoga people look at my picture and go, okay, we're not going to connect with that dude. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so if you are looking for someone to connect with, you can connect with your financial yoga guy on LinkedIn, uh, Brad Fike. <laughs> You'll know exactly who he is because he's the only guy with that in his profile name in the financial community. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's people scratching their head when they look at that and go, what? completely confused so from here on out we have a fun uh handful of episodes planned for the rest of the year um looking forward to uh wrapping up the year with you guys if you have any questions you can always reach out to us uh my email is taylor at fikeadvisors.com or you can email brad at brad at fikeadvisors.com and in the meantime have a great rest of your week Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.